Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, April 18th, and we're talking energy. I'm your host, Nick Seipel, and today I'm joined by Motley Fool contributor Matt Delalo via Skype. How you doing, Matt? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing great, Matt. Happy to have you on once again. We've got a great show planned today. We're going to talk about one of your favorite companies. That's Kinder Morgan. Just reported earnings yesterday. Where we're going to preview upcoming earnings from some of our favorite oil companies. But first, Chevron announced a $33 billion mega acquisition of Anadarko Petroleum last Friday. Matt, as we look back a week later, what's your reaction to that news? My reaction's still pretty surprised. Um, Chevron didn't need to do any deals, and yet here they are, you know, shocking everybody with like the sixth biggest oil deal in history. So I was surprised by it, but the more I've looked into it, it's a really good deal for a Chevron. Um, it makes total sense. There's a lot of overlap, and plus it, it adds some things to them. So I, I really like it from that perspective. Yeah. So so when you talk about the assets that Chevron's adding, how, how does this acquisition kind of fit into their strategy, and how does that reshape their portfolio as they move forward as a business? Yeah, so the, the big takeaway is this really bulks them up in the Permian Basin, which as anyone who's you know talked about oil the last couple of years, that's like the big deal in energy these days. It's just loaded with oil and gas. So it makes them one of, if not the biggest drillers, landowners, producers in that region. So that was the big draw. However, it um, adds a couple other shell plays. Uh, Anadarko is really big in what's called the DJ Basin, which is in Colorado. It's um, kind of it's not as well known as some of the other ones, but a lot of oil and gas there. And then they've got some land in what's called the Powder River Basin, which is in Wyoming. It's kind of emerging play. Um, Ch- uh, Chesapeake Energy calls it the oil growth engine of the company. So you know, so it adds you know a lot of shale potential, but it also Gulf of Mexico. So there's a lot of overlap. You know, big boost to Chevron in the Gulf of Mexico. And then the third one is LNG. Uh, Chevron has um, some LNG assets in Australia, and so they pick up. Anadarko's project in Mozambique, which is world-class play, a lot of gas there. And so they, they're able to leverage what they did in Australia um, to, to kind of develop this play. So a lot of interesting parts with this deal. Yeah. And when you have one of these big major oil players like Chevron getting in a deal like this, really exciting to see how things develop. Matt, is there any chance that we see some follow-on bids uh, you know, related to this deal? I, I saw some news out that Occidental, Occidental Petroleum had a deal out where they had bid you know, seventy dollars a share. This Chevron deal is about sixty-five dollars a share. Do you think there's any chance we see some follow-on competing bids here, or you think this is a done deal? I think this is a done deal. This does not make sense for Occidental Petroleum. I really don't know what they were into, other than you know it boosts them in the Permian, but they don't have anything in the Gulf of Mexico. They're not into LNG, so it really doesn't make much as much sense strategically. However, uh, a lot of the other Pure play permiums, um, they make a lot of sense for not only um, Occidental, but a company like Shell, which really needs some some boost in the Permian. Uh, Exxon, the Permian's huge for them. So I could see names like Contra Resources, uh, Pioneer Natural Resources, Parsley Energy. I mean, there's just a huge list of independents out there that could easily be um, bought up by one of these major oil companies. Yeah, definitely something to continue to watch. And you know, in an industry as shale that's been kind of the wild, wild west for a while, to see some consolidation and maturing of the industry, I think is something I'd like to see as an investor. Um, Matt, let's move on to talk a little bit about Kinder Morgan. They reported earnings yesterday. Before we dive into those, uh, you know, on our 2019 preview podcast, Matt, you named Kinder Morgan your favorite stock idea for 2019. Is it still your favorite stock idea after we got yesterday's uh, earnings reports news in? 
Um, I can't complain about them. Kinder Morgan's one of those really steady companies. Um, the reason I picked them as my top one is because they were so undervalued at the time. They're still undervalued, even though they're up 25% this year. So it, it's really a value play there. They're about to make more money this year than they did in the peak in 2015, and yet their stock's still down like 50%. So uh, I really like that one. Awesome, Matt. Well, I, let's go through the earnings report, and I'm going to go just really step by step. You post an article on fool.com. Earlier this week, I believe, four things to watch for Kinder, Morning, uh, Kinder Morgan reports its uh, Q1 results. So we're just going to go through those things that you know you, you told us to watch on Fool.com, and we'll, and we'll see uh, we'll see what what our earnings uh, kind of gave us there. The, the first thing that you called out for us to watch is we want to see if the results match the budget. You know, uh, in 2019 guidance, Kinder Morgan had anticipated they would generate five billion dollars in cash flow. They expected to generate 27 percent of that in the first quarter. With the numbers that uh, that we got out yesterday, how is Kinder Morgan doing there when it comes to meeting their guidance? They were right on track with that. They're actually slightly ahead. Their budget was 1.35 and 60 cents or 59 cents a share. They came at 1.37 and uh, 60 cents a share. So it was 10% overall up uh, from last year's first quarter, 7% on a per share basis due to some dilution. Uh, so that keeps them right on track with their full year budget. Even though that there's been some headwinds here and there, they they did a settlement with some customers on um, some some rates uh, for some pipelines. So they that was like a headwind, but then they had some positives from oil prices. So net net, they're basically right on track for the full year. Yeah, which you know you like to see that from a company like Kinder Morgan. And another thing you you know a lot of investors are looking for out of Kinder Morgan is the dividend and just returning cash to shareholders. Uh, the company had repeatedly promised to to increase its dividend 25 percent. Uh, in 2019, they've been buying shares back. Uh, uh, they, they had a two billion dollar uh, stock buyback program that they they'd initiated previously. Uh, from what we saw in Q1, what have we seen when it comes to the dividend boost or anything from the buyback point of view from Kinder Morgan? Yeah, so they did fulfill that promise, 25% increase. So that's uh, nice to be a shareholder and get that extra boost this year. And then they also reiterated the plans for another 25% increase next year. Uh, they did not buy back any stock during the quarter. However, um, the, on the conference call, founder Richard Kinder said, you know, they'll do that when it makes sense. And they've got some other things going on uh, with a lot of expansion projects. So I'm not really totally surprised that they didn't buy back any shares. But that, that is something to keep in track. Yeah, yeah. A lot of expansion projects coming down the line. We'll talk about that in a second. The third thing you said to look out for, for, their, uh, for their earnings this quarter was what's going on with Kinder Morgan Canada. You know, Back uh, back in 2017, uh, they IPO'd Kinder Morgan Canada to fund the Trans Mountain Pipeline. However, they've since sold that pipeline back to Canada. What, if anything, have we heard about what Kinder Morgan is going to do with that Kinder Morgan Canada entity and kind of what its future is for the business? Yeah, they're currently exploring strategic alternatives for that. And from what they've said, their alternatives are uh, they could sell it outright to another company for cash. They could merge it with another company. Um, and kind of do a share um, share and cash merger type deal. They could just leave it alone and let it just be a separate entity, or they could take it private. And um, they're still analyzing all their options. They thought that they, that they would have a decision by the first quarter call, but it's just taking longer to analyze the options. It's a pretty complex thing. So they do expect it to wrap up in the next couple of weeks. So I would expect an announcement soon. My gut feeling is that they're going to sell it because it, it just seems like that's the direction that they're they're not hinting that way, but it just makes sense to get rid of that now, um, one way or the other. It, uh, it just doesn't have the growth that they're looking for elsewhere. 
Yeah, it seems it was really a tough break with the company. It seemed to be they had huge opportunities with this this Trans Mountain pipeline, and just you know politically, it just didn't work out for them. Had to sell it back to the to the government. So still working through those issues, and we'll have to watch and see how things happen. The last thing we wanted to look for in this Q1 earnings, uh, and probably probably the thing a lot of investors want to look for, is you know how is Kinder Morgan going to continue to expand its business? So what did we see? I know they uh, laid out maybe a new Permian pipeline. What are we seeing from Kinder Morgan when it comes to new expansion deals and how they're going to grow the business moving forward? Yeah, so they secured another six hundred million dollars in projects during the quarter. Uh, they they had completed two hundred million, so that was a net add of four hundred million. So that's a good starting point. Their goal is to get between two and three billion dollars a year of high return expansion projects. They're well on their way to that. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of different things in the pipeline, so to speak. They're they're kind of one of the highlights of the conference call was that they're working on a third gas pipeline of the Permian. That um, there's a lot of interest behind that, and what's interesting about that is there's so many other companies trying to build the Permian gas pipelines. You've got uh, Targa and uh, uh, Nextera Energy. They've proposed the Whistler pipeline, which they basically proposed that right around the same time Kinder Morgan came out with the Permian Highway pipeline, and Kinder Morgan beat them to the punch with that one. So it'll be interesting to see if they can stay ahead of rivals and get that third pipe out there. Yeah, a lot of opportunities there in the Permian and exploding region, and you know, for a company like Kinder Morgan, great opportunity to you know service those folks, bring that bring that uh, that oil and natural gas off of uh, off of the you know the uh, the shale plays, and you know off uh, you know whether it's uh, this LNG LNGs that you know seems to be the, you know moving forward. So a lot of opportunities there for Kinder Morgan. Let's uh, move on and talk, do some uh, preview some of our uh, some oil companies. We're going to talk about Hess. Exxon and ConocoPhillips, but first, I just want to talk about how oil prices have performed so far this year. So, uh, oil was up 32 percent uh, in the first quarter, uh, which was the, their best quarter, the best quarter in a decade. Um, low-cost producers like ConocoPhillips and others had really positioned themselves to be successful at $40 a barrel oil, and now we're we're pushing $60 a barrel. Are you expecting, you know, this this surge in oil prices to trickle down to the bottom line for all these ENP players? Oh, absolutely. It, it, they're pretty much directly related. That oil prices go up, their profits go up. And a lot of them, because oil prices plunged in the fourth quarter, they cut their spending this year to, to balance their budgets. In Conoco's, Conoco Phillips cases, like $40 a barrel, and others are in that 40 to 50 range. So with oil at 60, they're generating just this, this gusher of cash flow that they'll probably use um, to either buy back more stock or drill more wells. It'd be interesting to see what they end up doing, because if they drill more wells, that could put pressure on oil prices. So that's kind of like one of the big things to watch this quarter is what they're doing with this money. Sure. Yeah. Let's move on and talk about you know the companies that we want. We want to take a look at their earnings, preview them. Uh, first off, let's talk about Hess. Hess, an interesting company. We've talked about this uh, this company in the past uh, on the show. Uh, you know, they've really been allocating a lot of their capital to their two big plays, the Bakken Shale play, as well as Guyana that they're partnering uh, with Exxon. As we look to uh, you know Hess's first quarter results, what should investors be looking for uh, from from the company? Well, Hess has done a really good job of surprising analysts with stronger than expected profits. Um, analysts actually see them losing money this quarter, and they see the I think it's like a penny less than what they earned in the fourth quarter, even though oil prices have exploded. So I would expect them to uh, beat the estimates again, and that could boost their stock price, even though their stock has been like crazy this year. So. Um, the other thing I would keep an eye on is what they're doing to the Bakken. They've uh, they ramped up their drilling, and so they see production coming in between 130 and 135,000 barrels a day. That's up from 126,000 last quarter. So I would see I would 
kind of anticipate that to be at the high end. And if it's not, then that could, um, you know, kind of cool down their stock. So, yeah, yeah, yeah something to watch. I, I think has. Uh, of a lot of these kind of smaller pure play NP folks is one of the most interesting. I think their assets they have. We mentioned we, when we talked about them on the podcast before. I think they have really you know, strong assets uh, position in, in you know the Bakken and Guyana. So we'll see how they play out. Uh, definitely a company to continue watching. Let's also talk about their partner in Guyana, which is Exxon Mobil. You know, one of the largest publicly traded oil companies in the world. Exxon has really been allocating a lot of cash to the Permian. They're one of the largest players there. And uh, is a big part of their strategy they've laid out to double earnings and cash flow, you know, over the coming years. You know, as we look out into Exxon's uh, upcoming earnings results, what should investors be looking for uh, from that company? There's usually two things that kind of is the calling card for ExxonMobil. The first one's production. They're so big, they have trouble growing production sometimes because uh, oil and natural gas wells naturally decline. And so it's really hard to keep up with that decline rate, especially for a company like Exxon. So they're at like around 4 million barrels per day last quarter. And if they can keep that up or grow production, that'll be a, a good sign. They've, they've struggled a lot in the past and that's weighed on their stock price. The other thing is downstream, which is refining chemicals and those sort of businesses. They benefit from lower oil prices, and it's a headwind when oil prices rise because you know they they consume oil. And so, what was like a, a big boon for them in the fourth quarter could be uh, like a headwind in in this first quarter because oil prices rose. So I would keep an eye on downstream earnings. I'm not as optimistic about uh, Exxon reporting a good quarter as I am for like a company like Hess or a ConocoPhillips because of that downstream. Right, and just the, the nature of being a fully integrated oil company, that they have different exposure rather than just oil prices go up, profits go up. It's a more complicated business. Um, yeah. Let's move on and talk about ConocoPhillips. I think uh, of the three we're going to preview earnings for, just because of the news we got this morning is probably the most interesting one. Uh, as I mentioned this morning, uh, ConocoPhillips uh, announced a deal with uh, Cry. I hope I'm pronouncing this right. A Chrysler Holdings for uh, to sell a package of North Sea oil assets for 2.68 billion dollars. Matt, obviously this news came out this morning, but just instant reaction. What are your thoughts on this deal and what it means for ConocoPhillips moving forward? Yeah, they've been selling non-core assets for several years, and this one's been on the market for a while. They they tried to sell it, I think, earlier this year, and that deal fell through. So it's no surprise to see them eventually selling it. This is a higher cost oil play out there in the North Sea, not as much growth. So they're going to take that money and probably use it to buy back stock, or maybe they'll even boost their drilling program this year. Uh, their focus is on shale, Alaska, um, things that have really low costs. And so, this is just part of their strategy. Yeah. Hey, we talked about, you mentioned the low cost. I mentioned earlier that ConocoPhillips has really positioned themselves <laughs> to thrive at lower oil prices. I mean, they, they, they've called out that $40 number as where, where they're looking for for break even. You know, as we push oil prices, we mentioned up closer to the 60s, you would expect them as we look into the first quarter to, to have a meaningful boost uh, in, in profits. Um, as we look out in that first quarter results, what should investors be looking for, uh, and what what are the things we should definitely pay attention to uh, when we get their earnings out? Yeah, production's a big one for them. They've got some turnaround issues. So turnarounds when they do maintenance on some of their big facilities, uh, and so there's some of that coming up. So production is actually on track to kind of decline a little bit from the first from the fourth quarter. However, the company has a history of underpromising and overdelivering, and that's because shale. Just they've shale wells have gotten so productive that companies um, have been able to just drill 
much more productive wells than they are expecting. So I'm optimistic that they're going to hit the high end of that, and that should enable them to be earnings expectations again. Uh, the consensus estimate was like 84 cents, which is below last quarter, even the oil price are higher. And um, one thing with ConocoPhillips is they've done such a good job reducing their costs that they made more money in last year's third quarter than they did in 2014 when oil was over $100 a barrel. So this is a much more profitable oil company than it has been, and they're continuing to make um, waves in that, and they're using all those profits to buy back shares. So they're really creating a lot of value for shareholders. Yeah, I mean, they were the top performing oil stock in 2018, total return over 15%. Haven't moved nearly as much this year, but again, as you mentioned, positioning themselves to succeed at lower oil prices with obviously oil prices helping them by moving on up really seems to position them, uh, ConocoPhillips you know, in a strong way moving forward. Um, Matt, as we go away, I'm going to steal Matt, Matt Greer's closing question he does whenever he hosts Market Foolery. I think it's a great one for this episode since we covered so many companies. So, Desert Island question. Next five years, you can only buy one of these stocks and hold them for the next five years. Chevron, Kinder Morgan, Hess, Exxon, ConocoPhillips. Which one do you like and why? Yeah, so as much as I follow the oil market, I have no idea what oil prices are going to do tomorrow, let alone in five years. So, I'm going to stick with uh, uh, Kinder Morgan. They're, first of all, they're natural gas, but they also have more than 90% of their cash flow is finance or contractually secured through long-term contracts. So I think that they're the, the way to go for stability. The other ones could outperform, but that's oil price driven. But you know, if I'm not touching it, Kinder Morgan's my name. Yeah, Matt, I tend to agree with you. I, I think these E&P guys, you can really, when oil prices cooperate, you can really make really outstanding returns. But it's just it's just really tough to predict when you have a company like Kinder Morgan, you know, it's a toll road. They're going to collect their money regardless of how prices are moving. And you know, with things like the Permian and these shell plays exploding, there's going to be you know increasing need for takeaway capacity, and that's that's what uh, what Kinder Morgan is there for. Um, Matt, thanks so much for coming on the show. You know, I think we really laid out uh, some things for our, for our listeners to watch as earnings come through this quarter, and uh, we'll continue to follow them, and we'll have you back on soon as we get more information. Yeah, thanks for having me. Awesome. As always, people on the program may own companies discussed on the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against the stocks discussed. So don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear. Thanks to Austin Morgan for his work behind the glass. For Matt DeLalo, I'm Nick Seipel. Thanks for listening and Fool On. <laughs>